Hello, and welcome to Breakfast for Dinner with Sarah the Human. I'm Sarah the Human, and this is the Magic Mushrooms episode. I am so excited to launch this episode, probably because magic mushrooms is my favorite topic right now. I'm a total noob when it comes to mushrooms. The first time I did it was actually just in January 20 of 2022, but it literally changed my life forever. Today's guest is Trace Bell, who is a very special friend of mine. He is the son of Rob Bell, who you might have heard of. Trace and I got connected, I think, a couple years ago. I took a course that he leads with his partner, Tina, called Living the Spiral. It's on spiral dynamics. It's kind of like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but way more modern and way more in-depth. It explores the human psyche and our levels of consciousness and how we've evolved over really just since the beginning of time. It helped me make sense of the world right now because obviously over the past couple years, it's been a lot to digest. I cannot wait for y'all to listen to this episode because Trace and I talk a lot about shrooms and how we can use shrooms to connect to our true selves. The amount of healing that I experienced after that one mushroom trip still to this day blows my mind. I was able to tap into this light and love and beauty in me, pure goodness. It was fantastic. So with all of this to say, I think you are going to absolutely adore this episode with Trace. He is very informed about psychedelics, has a lot more experience with them than I do. He also talks about growing up as Rob Bell's son and what that was like for him. So please enjoy Trace Bell. Okay, did you hear I saw your dad yesterday? No, no. Are you serious? Yeah, um, Bo and I were just on our morning walk and we ran into him. He was walking Zara. Oh, nice. I was like, I gotta say something. So I just said like, hey, I'm friends with Trace and Tina. And we just got to talking and he was like, oh my gosh, they love you. It was great to meet him. I knew you guys would run into him eventually. And I'm so glad you said something because like, he does know who you guys are because we told, we, we told him about you guys. So yeah, um, I was glad he wasn't like, okay, who's this weird girl? <laughs> like he, yeah, he was like, yeah. are you a writer or something? I was like, yes. <laughs> so yeah. He, he has such a good, he has such a good memory too, for remembering people. Like it's a, it's incredible. Uh, and you say you got to meet Zara too, huh? Yeah, I got to meet Zara. Is, yeah. it, is it she awesome? Oh, I love that dog. She's great. Yes. Yeah. We, we adopted her off from uh, Barks and Bitches on uh, Fairfax. Oh, no which is, do, you, do you remember, was it, do you remember seeing that? There's not, I don't think it's there anymore. Yeah, I actually um, volunteered there one time. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. I yeah. Just, that, I, I, we love that place. And yeah, we adopted her in 2015 and it was like, she's been like the perfect dog for our family. So uh, did um, it close down? Yeah. Barks and I think it did recently. I don't know. I think maybe one of my parents told me that I, I haven't seen, I haven't been down there in a little bit, but yeah, um, now that I think of it, I haven't seen it. Yeah. I don't think it's there. I think a lot of stuff because of COVID had it closed down, unfortunately, but probably. Um, yeah, yeah. I told um, your dad about how the first time I met you in person was at Sweet Flower. Yeah. And I was like, it was kind of poetic because we were both there getting weed on a Sunday morning. And for me, I like should quote unquote be in church on a Sunday morning. Yeah. I was instead getting weed and then ran into you. Like it was just so perfect. That, that was so fun. That, that was the LSD day too. I, I was so nervous too. I had all this like nervous excitement. Um, I hope I wasn't too weird when you guys, when you guys met me, because I was like before like big psychedelic trips, like I always like, like I get like, there's just this like nervous kind of like 
giddy excitement but also knowing like your ego is about to be destroyed so you're it's there's all this stuff that goes in and i remember that i remember that morning being at sweet flower being like extra nervous so like uh but that was so fun that was so fun to i was like oh this is what a perfect place to finally meet uh, sarah bow in person yes i know it was so um yeah well maybe we could just start i'd love if you could share about the lsd trip and just how it was and because was that your first time to do lsd yeah that was that that was the first time um, I've always been, I've always been curious and L- about LSD, like ever since I've been a teenager, I was reading about, I was very into, uh, consciousness as a teenager, uh, very interested in like, what is consciousness? How have people, how have people talked about exploring consciousness? And so I read a lot about psychedelics and the psychedelic revolution and the, um, in the sixties and LSD was always one of the, the substances that was talked about the most. And I was familiar with Ram Dass and how LSD played such a major role in his journey. Um, so I've always, ever since, uh, ever since a teenager, I've always been curious in LSD and, and not, not in the, obviously not in the sense of like, um, oh, this is a substance, you know, you can, you can party hard on, but actually as like a, what, like what kind of experience of expansion is this giving people and what kind of, how is this actually helping people explore consciousness and kind of um, giving people awakenings and because and, there's so many stories of people who like LSD gave them some sort of spiritual awakening that like totally changed their life. It got them really interested in meditation, yoga, and kind of put them on the spiritual path. So always been fascinated by it. Um, I had some experience with, with psychedelics, uh, mushrooms b- before uh, LSD. So I kind of like had a couple of years of, of kind of exploring mushrooms. Um, and then it finally came, felt like the right time to actually try uh, LSD. And it totally, it felt completely right in my being. Um, it just felt like it was, it was time. And, and then, yeah, then, the, then I, then I tried it and it was an incredible experience. I mean, it, the way that it opens you up to just pure kind of source divine love, um, was like a really, it's, I mean, you can't even really put it in words, but it was just like a transformational experience. I still feel like my, my whole being, that experience is still like imprinting on my whole being even six months later. That's so cool. I'm definitely interested in trying it. I think I might've just not been able to connect as much uh, if I hadn't have done mushrooms, but now after doing mushrooms, I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally understand how transformative it was because I've only done it one time. I did microdosing, but that doesn't really count, I guess, but this was like a full trip and it is hands down the most transformative experience of my entire life. So I can imagine LSD is, is it similar as far as the effects? Yeah, it's it's definitely different in some ways and definitely similar in a lot of ways. It's, it's kind of like uh, ice cream has a lot of different flavors, but it's still ice cream. Like it's like a different, if, if psychedelics are ice cream, it's sort of like just a different flavor of ice cream. It, I'm trying to think like what, what I felt like were the big differences. I mean, it, all the, it's, it's a, it, it just like mushrooms. It's a psychedelic experience. It just opens you up to, to pure oneness, to pure being, um, whatever God source, the divine, whatever word you want to put to it. Um, but it, just like mushrooms that gives you that same experience. And it really, it really felt like it opened my heart in like a, like a really powerful way. And mushrooms does that too, but LSD even like more so like, it was like a huge heart opening. Uh, My heart just was like, felt like it just was almost like expanded, like out of my chest. And I felt like it's almost like, I feel like different, different psychedelics and different psychedelic trips can kind of hit like different notes almost. Like sometimes they can hit 
the note of more just like pure love. Sometimes they can hit the the note of like just pure oneness. And these are kind of like the same, but they're also like can be slightly different. And I felt like LSD was really hitting that like love note, just like that pure love. Like what we are um, is just pure love expressing itself. And that, I mean, that, ex- that experiencing that level of just pure love and just being loved by the universe that deeply has, is so transformative in a way that's like, you can't even really articulate with words. Uh, so yeah, it was definitely similar in some ways, definitely different in a lot of ways. I've been slowly making my way into the psychedelic world. And I think the first time I was interested in mushrooms was I read Michael Gunger's book and he talked about, um, I think a mushroom trip that changed his life. And so that kind of planted a seed in me to be interested in it. And then I think it took a year and a half. I started microdosing. I had the desire to do a full trip for a really long time, but I, my main thing I had heard was that a lot of people experience an ego death. I was just terrified of what that even looks like, like what that entails. So I did it in Joshua Tree with three of my friends, Bo and and two of our friends. And I just ate them straight up. And I would just like eat a little doing breath work and just trying to calm myself down because I was so scared. And what my experience ended up being was actually the pure love experience that you're describing. So much presence and contentment. And that's what I needed. Bo, on the other hand, had an ego death experience. So have you had that ego death experience? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've had, uh, I've had really, I mean, I've had, I have had trips that like, like you're describing that are just like pure love and exactly what I needed. Well, every, every trip I have is exactly what I need. And that's one of the, the things I love about uh, plant medicine and psychedelics is they give you exactly what you need at the time. Cause I've had really challenging moments on trips. Like I've had moments where I've been super uncomfortable in the moment stuff is getting surfaced that I had repressed stuff that had was started surfacing that I didn't want to look at in myself, ego tendencies. Um, and it's, it's challenging in the moment, but a- after every single trip, I'm always so thankful for whatever came up. Cause I always learn something from it. Even the trips that aren't, uh, just exactly what I wanted them to be of just like pure love and pure, just kind of bliss. Uh, there's, and, and the ones that are more challenging in the moment, I'm still so grateful for it afterwards because it, it, I learned something so valuable. I learned something, Oh, this is what happens when your ego really resists and, uh, you're, you're just really resisting the flow and you're not actually just surrendering. This is what happens when you just repress a bunch of anger and then it comes up during a trip. So every, that's one of the things about, about psychedelics that is so important. I think any discussion about psychedelics needs to include the, the, the topic of how it's not always amazing stuff. That's going to, it's, you're not always going to feel amazing. It's not always great stuff. That's going to come up. Cause I feel like it, people, because a lot of the stigma around them, people think that people could sometimes get the idea that people who are doing psychedelics or spiritual growth growth are just trying to get high and just having an amazing experience, but it's not always an amazing experience. It actually can be bring up really painful stuff, bring up stuff that's really uncomfortable um, that we actually learn and grow from. Uh, So by fully, when we have the courage to fully enter into those spaces, that's where growth comes from. Growth comes from seeing the things that we maybe didn't want to see uh, that we maybe had kind of locked away in other closets that then are opened up because the psychedelics kind of removes a lot of filters that means stuff comes up to the surface. Um, So the emotional healing, the psychological healing, the healing that your shadow elements of yourself 
um, are, is something that can come up. That's so, so powerful. So transformational. Um, so yeah, I've had, I've had both the, the trip that you had and the trip that, that Bo had, but I found them both equally as valuable, which is one of the beautiful things about it. That is great. Yeah. He definitely talks about it in the similar way that I do too. Of like, it was the best day of his life at the end of it, but during yeah. what it was one of the most difficult times. <laughs> yeah. So what is happening? I mean, I know a little bit, but is it basically just our mind is kind of slowing down significantly when we're on psychedelic trips. Like what is actually happening to us that it allows us to connect to the universe, you know, so much easier. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question. This is a question that I've, I've been exploring. So I don't, I don't have like a full comprehensive, comprehensive. I don't know why it was hard for me to say that word. I don't have a full comprehensive answer, uh, but I do have in, in what I've, in what I've researched and what through my experience, what seems to be happening is that um, we we already are like if we start from the starting point like we already are source. There's there's just source. There's just oneness, and we already are source. And then, but we don't always feel like we're source. We don't always feel like we're in pure oneness. There's the I'm I'm speaking as Trace to Sarah. Sarah, you feel like Sarah, and you're speaking to Trace. There's like a feeling of separation, and this is like this is a this is the ego. Um, which kind of is our feeling of being separate from other people and separate from the environment. And it, and that the ego and our sense of separation comes from sort of, it comes from like a filter that's being put on source. Like source wants to experience itself as trace source wants to experience itself as Sarah. This is totally healthy. It's healthy to have like a, a sense of individuation and sense of ego. Um, and our, the, where that comes from is really the filter is really the mind. Um, the mind that is thinking and making distinctions. Um, if you, if we look in our direct experience, our mind is constantly labeling certain things. Like when my mind sees, when I see the phone, my mind is like, okay, phone, my, the, my mind has made a distinction. So there's this, it's sort of like we're, we're source and there's this filter that's put on source, which is in the form of our mind. So any spiritual practice that quiets the mind and quiets the thinking is going to meditation, yoga, um, really bring us back to just the source that's always here, which is why people have awakenings through, through practices that just quiet down the mind. Now, the thing that's really fascinating is they used to think that psychedelics stimulated brain activity and made the mind way more active. But what they found recently is that psychedelics actually slow the mind down and quiet the mind. Uh, so on the, on a psychedelic, you feel this like intense, uh, intense feeling of just pure presence. Like, like you're so unbelievably present and your mind can't get in the way. Your mind can't take you out of that, that state of presence. Like the mind has slowed down so much that you're just like in this pure, pure feeling of presence. And it's one of those things that you kind of, um, well, if, if you've done meditation, you've, you've really experienced that or any, I mean, even if you're out in nature uh, and have like a, your mind is quieted down, people can have psychedelic experiences, not on psychedelics because it's really just a process of just slowing your mind way down. So on a, on a psychedelic, it's, it's taking, it's like removing that filter sort of, it's removing that filter that keeps us in separation. And that's through just slowing down the mind. Um, but that's why I think I, I love talking about this because uh, I, it, for, there's so much misconceptions, so many stick, so much stigma around psychedelics of um, it's like making your, your brain do a bunch of crazy stuff. It's like, making your brain get really active, which is giving you the spiritual experience. But actually what's happening is actually just slowing down your mind, which is why 
I've had awakenings on psychedelics. I've also had many more awakenings on meditation that are very similar um, just because it's they're bo- all they all are just methods to slow down the mind, which is just the filter that's keeping us from uh, being or oneness. So that's, that's really what I believe. And in my experience of what I've read, I believe to be happening. When I was on the mushrooms, I was so present. I could seriously stare at a leaf for the rest of my life. And I would have been completely content and happy with that. And when I meditate, it immediately brings me back to my mushroom trip. Like it reminds me yep. of that same state I was in. So it really did shift my paradigm a little bit. Oh my God. That's, that's beautiful. I, I love that so much because heaven is actually found right here by being in the present moment. So when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is found within, it's by going within ourselves. And like, like you're talking about in that experience, like you could just rest in pure presence uh, forever because pure presence is the only thing that's actually truly eternal. The present moment is the only thing that ever actually is. Um, so all of these I love psychedelics for that reason and, and, and any, anything that's giving people spiritual experiences because it helps us go back to some of those, those Jesus teachings, those, those teachings in the Bible um, and see like, oh, this is what they actually were pointing to. Um, this, this kingdom of heaven is within, is not heaven is someplace out there. It's actually something that we, we achieve right here by just being fully present. Um, and it totally recontextualizes everything. Yeah. It, it helps me just in my day-to-day life too. If I'm feeling super stressed or anxious about something, a lot of times I'll just remind myself, wait, hold on. What am I doing right now? I'm just on my couch. I'm next to my cat waffles. I'm eating. I am great. Life is great. Okay. (laughs) You know, like I just have to remind myself to be in the present moment because that is when I can experience heaven now, but my mind likes to tell me I'm somewhere else basically. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 my, the the spirituality really, if it, if you could boil down spirituality, I mean, the most important thing is just quieting down the mind. The mind is keeping us from uh, just living in pure presence, which is just peace. The present moment is is peace, um, and the more our mind, the mind creates all these stories about the past and the future, and focuses on both of them, and it just constantly takes us away from uh, takes us away from the present moment. So, any spiritual practice that can just help us quiet down that mind, um, we're just revealing what's always been there the whole time. Uh, that pure presence, that pure peaceful presence that we are. Uh, is already right here. It's just a re- it's just a process of actually just removing the clutter that we have on top of it that keeps us from fully living in it. I love that perspective so much. So you and I kind of talked about this a little bit, but after doing our first experience with psychedelics, the temptation was tell everybody about it or think that we know it all now. <laughs> so can you describe that experience? Yeah, definitely. There's a, um, there can be a bit of, because the psychedelic experience is so expansive and because it can produce such a major awakening, uh, it can also be a bit of an ego trip as well uh, because the ego will come in afterwards and kind of attach to the experience and, kind of want to use the experience for its own gain, which is completely normal. This is, this, this is just what the ego does. And this is not to make the ego or even the mind a, a bad guy or trying to try to make it some sort of enemy. Uh, it's just a natural process that we have. We have, to, we have to live from ego to some extent because we have to have our egos to survive. Um, and after, after, the, after trips sometimes, uh, it, can be, it, can, it can be such a mind-blowing and such an expansive experience that it's like, the ego comes in and, and wants to wants to use it. And this is this is 
this has varying reasons for it. Uh, I think some, some reasons are literally uh, just wanting to kind of use it for its own ego gain and ego satisfaction. Uh, and there's also some elements of like, like people like you and I uh, have just a love for other people and want to see other people uh, thriving and don't want to see other people suffering. And when we have a, a kind of realization and an experience of, of just truth uh, and pure love, uh, we want to share that with other people. Um, so it's, it's a very common thing in, in, in psychedelic uh, experiences to really want to really want to immediately go share it with people. And, and I think, I think that's just actually something to, to celebrate, honestly, the fact that it just shows how much you care for other people and that you want to, you want to help other people and you want to share this, this truth. And it's not a, it's not a bad impulse too. I mean, to be, to spread more love, to tell more people about what you experienced. And I think that just the trick is to, to communicate in a way that's not going to kind of put people off or to be too intense. That's going to make them feel like you're proselytizing to them. Um, so for, for me, at least I have to really make watch the, the energy that I'm talking about it with other people. And I feel like over time, I've kind of learned that, um, that it's not, I, I've learned, you can't force growth on other people. You can't just tell them about pe people about an experience, tell people about an insight you have and just expect them to kind of take that insight, take that experience and just like change. Uh, so I feel like over time, uh, I've really come to more like peace of just like letting people be where they're at. Um, if I feel like, sh if I feel like sharing something would really help them or if they ask, uh, sharing in a way that's more skillful, um, I feel like I've gotten better at that, but, um, yeah, that, that, that impulse is totally beautiful to want to share it with people. I think that's, I think that's incredible. For sure. Yeah. One of my friends said, um, the mushrooms have to find you or something mm. like that, where forced growth on someone else is just not going to work. Like each person is on their own journey and they'll stumble upon it if it's calling to them and it, they may not. And that's okay. Like, like you said, you can find other moments of spiritual awakening through meditation and yoga, going to a concert, like just anything, everything is spiritual. So, but it, I definitely want to be a part of reducing the stigma behind psychedelics. I would love to see psychedelics become le legalized because it is a little bit ridiculous how we're sitting here saying it was one of the best moment, like experiences of our entire life, but it's actually illegal. So <laughs> I don't understand because something that connects us to everything is off the table. And I really don't like that. It, it, it's so messed up. It's so messed up because these are such, these are such powerful tools for healing. Uh, we have so much trauma uh, in this country. I mean, around the world, there's tons of trauma. We have so much trauma in this country. Um, the way that veterans could use, the veterans have been uh, using psychedelic healing. I and mean, there's so many studies being done uh, around so many, in so many places for the benefits of psychedelic and their therapeutic and med medicinal uses. Uh, it's only a matter of time before it becomes legalized. But yeah, it's really messed up that they've been illegal for this long. Um, I also want to note too, I love, I love what you said about um, just letting, letting, letting mushrooms find people and letting them find people. Uh, you're absolutely right. It's not, they're not for everyone and they kind of have to be, they have to come at the right time in your journey. Like you can't, you can't rush it. And the way I want to note that the way that you, the way that you approach them and, and did them on your journey was perfect. The way that you read about them, heard stories from other people kind of built like a little bit of like a, you built some knowledge around them and kind of almost like a conceptual framework around them. And then did microdosing to kind of get yourself accumulated, uh, acclimated, sorry. And then, and then actually went through with the experience. Like the way that you built up to that is perfect. Uh, I think for, 
one of the thing, one of the reason, one of the things that fuels the stigma is that people head into these psychedelic experiences not having done their research, um, not really knowing what the experience entails, and, and you do, you can't really fully know what the experience entails unless you have it. But you also at the same time can like read about it and kind of prepare yourself. So which is which is really important. Um, so the way people people just rush into them and they're such a powerful tool that they can sometimes people, when people aren't ready, um, it just fuels more of the, the stigma around them that they're not there. There's something people shouldn't be doing. Uh, so I just wanted to, to commend you for uh, really taking that process in a responsible and respectful way and building yourself up to it, which is why you had such an amazing experience is because um, you really took it at the right time in your journey and really built up to it. So it's, I'm, I'm so excited for the future of psychedelics, them being legalized, more information about them. I really, with, with legalization needs to come a proper education about how we actually use these. What's the responsible amount? How do we use these for spiritual growth? What's the right setting? That's going to be a, a really important part of legalization is also the education behind it. Um, so we can actually use these for, for, for tools for expansion and spiritual growth. For sure. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I mean, yeah, drug education is so important. I'm just thinking about alcohol education. Like I had no clue about alcohol going into college. I would not know the difference between having a eight ounce beer, eight ounce vodka. So I think it's similar with drugs. Like there's a ginormous difference between heroin and LSD. Like the doses amount too, because I did... 3.5. 3.5. Gosh, now I'm like, I don't grams, know if it's grams. grams. Yeah. 3.5 grams. I was going to say milligrams. I'm like, I don't think that's enough. Yeah. It was grams. But if I had done 10, that probably would have been way too much for me. That probably would have been a whole different story. So yeah, just so important for sure. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know people who have done way too many mushrooms. They didn't do their research. Um, they did like eight grams or something. Anything over five is crazy. Uh, yeah. to, to, to me at least, uh, so yeah, yeah. just did, did eight grams um, and really had a, like a, a really challenging and really terrible experience uh, that they really had to recover from. And unfortunately, experiences like that, people, people hear about those stories and are like, oh, mushrooms messes people up. Well, yeah, when you're doing way too much and you're not like treating it, you're not treating it respectfully and you're just, you don't have any sort of framework in your head for what the experience is going to be like. Yeah, it's going to give you a bad experience. And it's just such a shame that, that those kind of stories have fueled so much uh, stigma and misconceptions because there's so many people that are doing them the right way. And they're, they're really, they're genuinely really, really powerful tools. So they're not, they're first off, they're not for everyone and they're to be treated with, with tons of respect and used appropriately. Like they're just, they're, they're, they're powerful tools and we can't mess around with them. So yes. education, our, this, this country just desperately needs education in all areas. Um, so more education would, would, would benefit us all and, and for everything. I totally agree. Okay. Well, I really want to talk about your upbringing because we talked about your dad a little bit earlier, but your dad is Rob Bell, who is one of my heroes and really was instrumental in me um, evolving in my spirituality. And can you share a little bit about what it was like being raised in Rob Bell's family? Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's, it still trips me out that Rob Bell is my dad. It's still like, what a weird, <laughs> what an interesting incarnation. Like, like, I'm just like, Oh, out of all the people that are my dad, like a Rob Bell, it's so like, it's so <laughs> random. You call him Rob Bell. <laughs> it's so, it's so, yeah, I call him dad. I don't call him Rob Bell, but, uh, it's so, but sometimes I just take like a kind of like, uh, just an objective view on the whole situation. And I'm just like, Oh, what an interesting, what an interesting family to be born into. Yeah. Very, 
Uh, first off, I, I mean, just the best dad ever. I mean, he's really just an incredible dad. He's one of my, my best friend. We've, we've been close my whole life. Yeah, he's, he's, he's just an incredible human. Um, he's one of my heroes. Um, he's, an inspir- he's an inspiration to me. I, I'm, I'm just so grateful for him and uh, so grateful to, to be his son. I'm grateful for it every day. And growing up, yeah, okay, so I grew up in Michigan where my, where he's, my parents started a mega church that was like the fastest growing mega church in, in Michigan. So they were really, we had this, this church that was like growing really quickly and a really big deal. It was very progressive for that area. Um, it was really, um, people joked that it was like, they were sort of like building a spaceship almost in West Michigan. Cause it was like so progressive and doing so many things differently. So my parents were really very involved in the church. Um, but it was interesting for, it was weird for me growing up. Um, cause I wasn't really involved in the church. I wasn't really involved in Christianity at all. And I, I never actually like connected with religion and I never really considered myself a Christian because my parents kind of kept me and my brother separate from the whole church and the whole kind of church world. It was like, there was so much, so much drama going on there. There was so much, so much work that it involved. And there was, it was a whole scene that they, they just kind of kept my brother and I separate. Um, so I never, I didn't really go to church that often. I just kind of knew it was like something my parents were doing over here on the side, but I wasn't very involved in it. Um, so I never, and my, and my parents never pushed any of it onto me. They never pushed uh, any specific beliefs onto me and they never pushed Christianity onto me. Um, so I, I grew up very spiritually curious. I grew up very, uh, I always felt like I had this like deep knowing and this deep intuition that it wasn't my first lifetime. Like it wasn't whatever I was, was deeper than just this body and mind of trace. Like there was some sort of deeper identity that was, whether it be a soul spirit, uh, consciousness. I just had this, like this intuition that, uh, oh, this is like, I, I've, I've been on a journey of many lifetimes and, and I'm, what, what I am is something that's way deeper than uh, just a body and a mind. Uh, so very, very spiritually curious. And like I mentioned earlier, I was, uh, as a teenager, I was reading, I was fascinated by consciousness. I was reading a lot about consciousness and consciousness studies. Uh, so very like interested in spirituality, kind of curious about um, the way people talked about spirituality, but never really kind of connected with religion or like the religious language. Um, I loved what my dad would teach about um, the Jesus message. And I love when, when my dad would kind of explain certain Bible verses to me and what they really meant. Uh, but I never really felt that like attachment to like, okay, I have to believe the specific framework. Uh, and I never bought into any ideas about like heaven or hell or, or any of those kind of like traditional or like that were inherently sinful um, uh, what, what the original, like the idea of original sin, like I, that stuff just was like, uh, I don't, that's, I don't like any of that stuff. Um, so, uh, it was, it was kind of strange growing up having my dad be a huge figure in the Christian world, but not really feeling that connected to Christianity. Um, so I always loved, and I always appreciated what my dad did. And I, I, I thought his work was genius. Um, and, and, and it wasn't really till I really had my like massive, uh, spiritual awakening a couple of years ago that I was really able to like ground, uh, or not ground, but I was really able to have my own kind of spirituality that was like, and really come to realizations about why I had so much curiosity and so much intuitions, um, about certain things as a kid. Um, so I, and, and before that, um, before my awakening, I mean, I, I, I was very, uh, I was exposed to a lot of uh, other spiritual teachers and the kind of spiritual world through my dad, uh, meeting people like Deepak Chopra, Elizabeth Gilbert, um, people like that. Um, so it's been a, it's been a kind of wild ride and super interesting. 
Um, but uh, it's definitely, it definitely was strange having uh, my dad be so kind of involved in the Christian world, but then myself not really feeling that connected to it. Um, but now I, now from, from now that I'm older, I, I feel like I understand so much more and, and now see, see the kind of arc and trajectory of my journey in a totally new way. I think it's so uncommon and amazing that your parents really separated what they were doing and their beliefs and didn't force their beliefs on you. And sounds like didn't even make you go to church and, you know, kind of let you choose if you wanted to be involved or not. So um, how do you think that that freedom to explore helped you in your journey? Oh, it it was absolutely essential. Uh, Feeling like that I was growing up in a household where I was completely free to just explore uh, whatever I wanted was huge because it allowed me to find my own doorway into spirituality. Um, I talk about how everyone has their own doorway into uh, spirituality or their own doorway, what brings them into wonder and awe. Like everyone has certain things about this whole experience that brings them wonder and awe, whether it be uh, nature, animals, uh, exercise, uh, studying the mind. I mean, there's so many different things, astrology, uh, energy. There's so many things that bring us wonder and awe. And I, 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 say, I talk about how everyone has to find their own doorway into that and has to authentically find their own doorway into that. So when they, their doorway can't be like given or dictated by someone else. So growing up in a household where I was, had the freedom to find my own doorway was huge because it allowed me to grow into my own spirituality that was authentic to trace and was real for trace. And it allowed, it gave me the freedom and autonomy to actually just have my own journey. People weren't, my parents weren't pushing anything on me. My parents weren't trying to dictate or trying to decide what my journey looked like. Uh, I was just allowed to kind of have it in in whatever way trace was meant to have it. Um, So the, where, with the spirituality that I feel like I've grown into and the spirituality I was allowed to grow into um, was a result of them not pushing anything on me. Um, it's what made it authentic and real. Uh, if my parents were pushing stuff on me, uh, I'd be rebelling against them right now, you know, and then we'd be, we wouldn't have the relationship we do. And this, that's oftentimes what happens is kids rebel against their parents and then their parents don't have a great relationship with their kids because there's constantly this like uh, push and pull. And there's this kind of like counteracting energies reacting against each other. But when you can just let your kids uh, grow into the people they're meant to grow into and let them have their own journey. Uh, it really creates a beautiful relationship. So I'm, I'm so grateful for that. I, I also know to, to a certain extent, the, the reason that they were kind of keeping us so separate and not pushing that stuff on us uh, because it wasn't really working for them. Uh, I, think, I think, and deep down, uh, they were feeling that, that the whole church world, the whole kind of traditional structure of Christianity was limiting to them and boxing to them. And they felt like it wasn't, it wasn't fully serving them. Uh, so they, they had that deep intuition not to actually hand that over to their kids, not to hand something over to their kids that wasn't fully working for them. Um, and I'm so grateful that they followed their hearts in that way and listened to themselves and didn't hand their kids something that wasn't fully working for them. What's coming to mind is just they parented you with love and not fear. And I think a lot of times parenting can be fear-based. You know, your parents just loved you and loved you freely. And I think like loving someone holy is giving them room to explore and, and being okay with them choosing their own path and roaming around. And I think, you know, that helps Bo and I so much, you know, we're married, we view each other more and more like life partners where Mm. 
I am, you know, my own person. He's his own person. But I think all of these views on, you know, marriage or parenting, it's pretty unconventional. Like it's not the norm. I think the norm is kind of like holding people really close and not giving them that room to move around. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, it is the norm. Unfortunately, we have uh, kind of a world and culture where coming from fear is the norm. And when we, when we true love is not being attached to something, it's kind of counterintuitive. True love is being loving someone so much that you're actually not attached to them being a certain way and actually letting them have the freedom. And so much love is coming, it has so much attachment to it, which isn't really true love because it's, it's um, wanting being attached to the person trying to be a certain way and trying to um, kind of manipulate them in order to kind of fit that, that expectation, uh, which is so problematic. Uh, so the, when we, when we really truly love so like you, you and Bo in your relationship, you guys truly love each other so much that you aren't super attached to each other in that kind of unhealthy way. Um, which is, which is beautiful. We need, we need more of, uh, we need more of that message in just all areas, relationships, government, uh, yeah. parenting, everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's so funny about it is it actually does have the opposite effect to where when parents do allow their kids freedom, then usually the kids actually have a stronger relationship with their parents. Absolutely. I, I always felt uh, like, the, my parents non-attachment to my journey, looking a certain way was like respect. Like it was a respect they had and it made me in turn respect them and like true respect. I think a lot of parents feel like, you know, they get respect from their kids by like creating a bunch of fear and like, they have to kind of, they have to respect me out of fear, but true respect comes from understanding the mutual recognition that both parties are uh, just allowing them to be exactly how they want to be and exactly how what their, what their journey unfolds like. So I always, I always really appreciated that about my parents that I always felt like they respected me. They respected my journey. They were just respected who Trace was just naturally growing up to be. And there wasn't any sort of like pressure to try to try to mold me into a certain way. That's so cool. Yeah. I hope that the world is making a change with that. I see it a little bit with um, even sports coaches I think it used to be so common to be like super tough love, like be super yelling all the time. You know, it was just so common for them to be like that. But then now there's a lot of lot more like NFL coaches who have a way different approach where their approach is encouragement and kindness. And it's actually proving that those tactics also work um, because sometimes the, you know, the reality is someone who's super tough love they might have a good sports team. And so the fear is that if they change their approach to kindness um, and encouragement, that they wouldn't have a good sports team. And so I'm just glad that we have more data of, hey, here's a coach who approached their team with a completely different tactic and it produced incredible results. Mm, I, I, I love that example. Yeah, there, there's there's been a major shift in consciousness because I've seen that too of, uh, we're realizing that people aren't the motivation that people get when it's with, when their bonds, when the bond is coming more from love rather than from fear is so much more sustainable and so much more powerful. Uh, and that's, that's one of the things, the more, uh, that we explore the universe, the more that we explore awakening, we realize love is the, is the true energy of everything. So the more we align ourselves with love, we're aligning ourselves with the strongest and most powerful energy. So when we create bonds and relationships, uh, based on love and mutual respect, that coach is going to have 
uh, a team that's actually way more motivated than a coach that's trying to motivate based on fear. Uh, and the shift in consciousness is so powerful because we're realizing you can, you can motivate people sort of out of fear, but it's not sustainable. It won't last uh, and they'll burn out. But when you create those relationships that are really built on, on love and mutual respect, those are the ones that, that last. Um, and it's, it's so inspiring. I'm so glad we're seeing that. Me too. Yeah. It reminds me, I think that whole method can apply to so many different areas. Like I struggled with perfectionism my whole life and it's so ironic, but me running around trying so desperately to create this facade of perfectionism actually created the op it created the opposite effect where I was leading my life with insecurity. And so my biggest fears were coming true that people were not accepting me as I am because I was never actually myself. I was always trying to please other people. Um, but then when I just let so much of that go, I grew in, in confidence and people just ended up accepting me more. It's funny how our mind kind of tricks us thinking, oh, we need to have everything perfect. And then people will like us when a lot of times it's the exact opposite. It's like when you're just real and raw and honest, then other things like people are drawn to you. The mind spins so many stories that are complete illusions and completely lead us in the wrong direction. Yeah. So many things in, in, in my life um, I've seen like, oh my God, my mind has been just been telling me this whole story. That's just so not true. And then when we believe the mind, what manifests in reality is the exact opposite of what we want. Uh, so coming back to what well, we, we aren't the mind We're we're so much deeper than the mind. And when we come back to that, that true authentic identity, uh, that's beyond the mind, uh, that's what, and we, when we lead with that, we're leading with our most authentic selves. And that's truly what connects to people. I, I, I love everything you said. For sure. Um, so I wanted to ask about uh, your family's move from Michigan to LA, because that seemed like a big moment where, was that a moment where Rob was like, okay, you know what, we're going to separate ourselves from the church. Um, can you just share, like, how old were you when that happened? And do you remember that impact? Yep. I, so yeah, I, I, I do. That was a pretty like pivotal moment in all of our lives. Uh, so it was, it was around 2011 I was 13 years old. Um, my dad had released love wins, which was, which went on to be his biggest book. Uh, he went to be on the times most, uh, hundred influential people of the year. Uh, and he, and he was like all over Fox news and all over all these, all these shows. Um, cause it kind of created like a shit storm in the nationwide, especially in the, um, in the Christian world, it kind of like planted a, planted a, a flag in the ground. It was like, you're either on, you're on the side of Rob or you're not. Um, and so, so that book, like when that book really hit and really became super popular and caused the kind of reaction that it did, things really started to change. And, uh, up before that, my parents had really started to feel like Michigan was no longer working for us. Uh, they, they felt like the church wasn't really fully working they felt like a change was kind of coming and then love wins was finally like, okay, uh, we, we really do need to change. And like, it felt so because it was such a um, powerful career move for him in his work, it felt like it was like time for a change. So yeah, 2011 or, or yeah, no, no, uh, 2012, we moved. So 2011, the book came out, uh, 2012, we moved uh, to LA. Um, and yeah, it was, I mean, it was a, a completely a super pivotal point in all of our lives because it was a, my dad grew up in Michigan. He was born in Michigan. Uh, so he was leaving his home of like 30 plus years 
Uh, and I, I had, I had lived in Michigan for 13 years. I was born there. Um, so it was a, it was a complete, it, it was a total change in all of our lives, but we're so grateful. We did it. We're so grateful that we, we, we moved out to California. Um, California ended up being the, it ended up being the right decision. Um, we just couldn't take that culture anymore. Uh, it was, it was too, everywhere we would go, he would get recognized. Um, it was just too much controversy because of the book. Um, and we just felt also like, like if there's this much controversy over saying that hell isn't an actual physical place that we go to and heaven is and hell heaven and hell are just something we create in our reality right now. If there's this much, if it's angering people this much, like we need to escape this culture. Like, we, yeah. like I remember when that book came out. I remember when that book came out, I was like, why? I was like, yeah, duh. Like have, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't mean to say, I don't mean to say duh in like yeah. a, like no, it is. In, in a, in a, in a condescending way. I more mean just to say like, like, yeah, heaven, I, I never thought of hell as like an actual physical place. It's more like a metaphor for what we're creating right now. And just watching, watching how that just like, just set people off. And people were so attached to this idea that everyone that wasn't a Christian was going to burn in hell. It was, it was just so, um, just have that kind of reaction to an idea like that was really just kind of just, just crazy. Uh, so it, it ended up being the perfect decision. Um, and it was, yeah, and it, it completely changed, completely changed all of our lives. It changed his work, changed his career. Um, and we're so grateful we made it out to California. We all love California. California is the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. I love California. Um, I feel like half the world were super upset about the book. And then Time Magazine is sitting there naming Rob one of the top 100 most influential people in the world. So he was getting a lot of celebration. I can imagine probably the voices of the Christian community were really loud and like hard to tune out, even though he was getting recognized by a lot of quote unquote secular people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was definitely a weird, it was a weird mix of like, okay, like, so much of the country is absolutely like furious at him. And he's also getting tons of like respect and admiration from uh, a ton of people. It was a, it was a totally, it was a, such a mixed bag. Uh, and, and even, even just seeing like when I would see the, the, the Christians who were like outraged at him, I could see that they were coming from a particular level of consciousness uh, that was just, they were, they were, I, could, I could see that they were coming from a, from a particular level of consciousness that was making them sort of so outraged. So I could kind of, I could, I could sort of see like it was coming from a specific place. I was like, you know, if you're really, if you're angry in those people, I mean, it's a sign that you're doing the right thing. You know, like this is, this is kind of a, a graduation. Uh, but it was, it, it was weird to have people, I, they just on a human level, it was weird to have people like that upset. Um, yeah. and it was weird to have yeah. people that were, uh, there was that much of a, an outrage about uh, something he said. I always wondered too, if I was like, was it a bit of like a trolling move for him to for name the book Love Wins? Like to name the book Love Wins and then have people that outrage? Because like you're getting that outrage over a book that's called Love Wins, you know? Like it was it was a smart it was a smart move by him. I, I don't think it was a purposeful trolling move. I think it was actually like, it was a great name, uh, but it always made me laugh of like, you guys are all really pissed off about this book that's about love and, and right. love conquering all. <laughs> Um, yeah. so yeah, it was, it yeah. was, it was definitely a, a leap of faith for him in his career of like, I'm going to put this book out. that's going to make me lose a lot of people, but it's also going to help me gain a lot of new people too. But he also didn't know that before the book came out, you kind of just put it out there and he's like, this could be the end of my career. 
Um, and he talks about that in the heretic documentary. He's like, this could be the end of my career. No one could, could, could come to my work anymore, but he, but he stayed true to his heart. He stayed true to what he really wanted to say, put that book out there. Um, and then it brought so many new people in because it spoke to so many people. Um, mm-hmm. So we were really, we were really reassured and really happy and, and really felt like almost validated that so many people like, like times uh, and uh, a lot of people he met at that, that time dinner uh, were really like loving his work and really loved the direction he was going in. So um, it was, yeah, it, it ended up all unfolding perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found that usually when a lot of those people fall off, it ends up being just totally for the best. And then the people who stay for the journey, those connections are just so much deeper and so much truer. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I, I felt I felt the same exact way. I was like, these weren't really support. If you people were turning on you after after one message, this if people were turning on you this intensely. They weren't really supporters to begin with. So you don't really need them. I feel like people, the people that have, for the people that are still with my dad are the people that are obviously still resonating with his message. Um, the people that really uh, resonated with the things that I was saying and wanted to work with me were like really resonate with my message. So for the like 99% of people have been, uh, I mean, I met so many incredible people uh, through this work. Uh, so it's been, it's been really good overall. That's so great though, that 99% are driving with you and you are doing so much amazing spiritual work right now. Um, you, I've taken your spiral dynamics class, which I highly recommend. You did a podcast with your dad on spiral dynamics that really just, I love so much. Can you share a little bit about like what you're doing now, what you've been up to, how people can take some of those classes and learn more about what you're offering? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for the past sort of year and a half now, uh, I've been running a bunch of different uh, classes, a bunch of different workshop experiences, some by myself, some with my partner, uh, Tina Olson. And we we created a class on spiral dynamics, which is a human development model that maps how humans have developed over time. Uh, and that's been a, we've been trying to be been taking people on an integrative experience through this, through this model and through all these different uh, ways of being and, and integrating the wisdom of all of those. Um, and that, that's been our, that's been our kind of main one that we've been taking people through. We're now doing that for organizations right now. We're teaching the spiral to organizations and helping them, uh, use the spiral as a tool to create more, uh, organizational health and create a better work culture. Uh, we're, we're now in the process right now of cha- taking a lot of our content that we've been doing on zoom, turning it into video series that we're going to have, um, for people to take, uh, we were doing a lot of stuff on zoom because of the pandemic. A lot of people were on zoom, wanted to connect in zoom spaces. Now that things are opening up, there isn't really the demand for zoom, uh, which is totally understandable. And we're actually very grateful for, uh, because, um, being on zoom that long, uh, gets a little tiring. So we're, <laughs> we're, cha- we're moving all of that to our video series. So we have a bunch of different classes. We have living the spiral, uh, which is the spiral dynamics one. We have a head to heart, uh, which is all about living from the heart. Um, I have a kids in spirituality, helping, um, parents parent from a more, uh, spiritually evolved place and helping them create that environment where their kids are allowed to find their, uh, find their own doorway and have their freedom. Uh, that's up on my site. Um, I've been doing uh, meditations, uh, guided meditations, um, working on a bunch of different stuff right now. Um, everything that I'm doing and all my, all my audio, everything that I mentioned, you can be found, can be found at tracebell.com and that's bell with three L's. So T R A C E B E L L L.com. Uh, but there's a lot of new stuff coming as far as video series, 
Um, and yeah, so we're going to be putting a lot of that up, uh, which we're really excited about. Awesome. I'm so excited. I mean, I just know that the few courses that I've done with you and your partner, Tina have really changed my life. And also like meeting a lot of people from all over the world, really, and getting to connect with people. It's hard to find people who like to talk about all of this stuff, like to talk about awakening and psychedelics and spirituality. So yeah, it was just such an amazing experience for me. So I hope that everyone checks it out. Thank you so much, Trace. This has been so much fun. I love this combo so much. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, Sarah. This was such a blast.